The following program is presented to you by the New York State School Boards Association. NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast is supported by the Harris Beach Educational Institution's team of attorneys. Harris Beach successfully represents more than 130 school districts and BOCES clients throughout New York State on matters involving school district operations, labor and employment matters, cybersecurity, and student issues. Learn more at www.harrisbeach.com. Tackling climate change is not an easy endeavor, but in April of 2022, New York State established a nation-leading commitment by requiring all school buses to be electric in 2035. This mandate comes with significant challenges for school districts, but there are steps that school boards can take today to begin this transition. All this and more, stay with us. Let's call this meeting to order. Hello, everyone. Welcome to NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast, a podcast for school board members. I'm your host, Jamie McPherson, Deputy Director of Leadership Development to the New York State School Boards Association. Today, we are talking about electric buses and what school board members need to know about the future of pupil transportation. Tackling climate change is not an easy endeavor, but in April of 2022, New York State established a nation-leading commitment by requiring all school buses in operation to be electric by 2035. A fully zero-emission bus fleet will reduce harmful emissions and help care for the environment, but it comes with significant challenges for school districts. David Christopher, Executive Director at the New York Association for Pupil Transportation, is my guest today. And throughout our discussion, we will learn some of the challenges that lie ahead and what school board members can do now to prepare for the future. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the invite, Jamie. Glad to be here today. Converting to an all-electric bus fleet is probably going to be a substantial undertaking. And, you know, two of the main concerns that I've been hearing from school board members revolve around cost and implementation. So let's start with funding. You know, in terms of funding, what's out there? What's available for school districts? Yeah, there's some there's some grant availability. Uh, the, the federal government has four hundred million dollars available now. Uh, they just opened up that grant opportunity under the uh, EPA Clean School Bus Program, which uh, is a national program. So the competition for that would be immense. Uh, you know, there's there's thousands of buses across the country, and those operate all operators will be trying to uh, try trying to get a piece of that money. Uh, NYSERDA continues to have the truck voucher incentive program available, which is about $6 million available in that program for school districts. And schools have taken advantage of that across the state. There's three or four schools that got uh, some of that money to uh, transition a few buses. Uh, there's also uh, $500 million that was approved in the Environmental Bond Act that was passed uh, this past fall that will be available in the future. Uh, as of today, it's not. Uh, uh, been determined how that's going to be divvied out, but if that's supposedly committed to the school bus transition as well. Of course, there's state transportation aid on school bus purchases. The you know we've always had that in the past, if you will, to uh, to help school districts purchase buses. So that's available as well. Uh, however, obviously the the cost to the school district is going to be greater because the cost of the buses is greater. That's an expense-based aid type uh, reimbursement. 
And uh, for the infrastructure and, and assessment studies, there's two programs at NYSERDA that members should be aware of to help them with the uh, infrastructure studies that need to be done to determine uh, uh, what kind of infrastructure they're going to need to support their bus transition. And that's the FlexTech program, which is available in the P12 uh, Clean Green Schools program, which is also available. And those are important programs because we, we tell folks, start your infrastructure studies now because that's the, that's the, the important part of this, the difficult part of this, uh, to, to find out what kind of infrastructure you need to support uh, the transition to electric. And these two programs actually pay, uh, uh, pay for those studies, depending on uh, your school district uh, uh, eligibility, uh, up to 100% of that study. So they're important programs to look at. We tend to hear a lot of positive benefits about moving to an all-electric bus fleet. You know, like kids won't be breathing in the diesel fumes, which obviously is better for their health. And that over time, the cost of operating these buses will be lower. Now, you know, there's many who argue that that lower operating cost is, you know, somewhat debatable. So I'm hoping, you know, you can answer, you know, what are some of those unique costs that maybe school districts and school boards really kind of need to be aware of? Sure, sure. The, the cost challenges are immense. Uh, you know, we talked about infrastructure costs. Um, that's, that's the most difficult one to, to pin down because every school district, every bus operator has uh, unique geography, if you will, bus yards, uh, uh, location in terms of uh, proximity to power, enough power. So each infrastructure uh, cost is going to be different depending on, you know, the, the school district. Uh, certainly the bus cost is significant. Uh, the cost of school buses has gone up uh, from somewhere on average, somewhere around $130,000, $140,000. Now, now they're around three hundred forty dollars to $400,000 for an electric school bus. And that's, that's the, off the New York State uh, OGS contract. So the, those, are, those are numbers that school districts will be seeing when they're going out to buy school buses. Uh, charging stations uh, have to be purchased to charge those buses, and those range somewhere in the $30,000 to uh, equip a school bus with a, a charging station. Uh, certainly, you've got to look at uh, managed charging, which is a service that uh, uh, you would need to, to purchase to monitor and uh, your, your charging of the, of the batteries so that uh, uh, you buy you buy power at the, the best price, and that you you charge the battery when it needs it. So uh, that's another cost that has to be considered. And of course, there's you know those future costs that we we certainly uh, can't pin down as well, like the battery life. How long will the battery last? Will it last? Uh, if you're a school district, that keeping buses 10, 12 years. Will the battery last 10 or 12 years? Uh, and, and the cost of a battery is significant, uh, about 30% of the cost of the bus. That whole piece of, of uh, total cost of ownership has to be looked at by every school district. And, and, and you need to plug in each piece that uh, applies to the electric bus and, and, and budget out where, where you're going to be down the road with these. So from your perspective, you know, there's obviously some school districts that have begun to make this transition. Um, from your experience and your knowledge, you know, how have they been faring in that endeavor? Well, they, they've, they've been very brave. They've, they've jumped <laughs> into this, uh, and, and we thank them for doing that, by the way, because you have to be first. Uh, someone has to be first. 
uh, and they've learned a lot. Uh, they've learned about uh, specking a, bu a bus properly uh, in terms of the battery size. Uh, they've learned uh, charging management. Uh, and, and from what I understand, the buses uh, in, in all cases are operating uh, as designed. Uh, the, the, understand the, the bus piece is the easy part. Purchasing of the bus is the easy part. The bus manufacturers have pretty much figured that out. And for the most part, if the buses are put on the correct bus routes and, and your infrastructure is set this, uh, correctly, this is gonna work. Uh, what the challenge again has been is, is the infrastructure side and making sure that uh, you've got the right size chargers and if you're charging at the, at the right uh, uh, rate and, and those kinds of issues. So I would say of the three or four school districts that I'm aware of that have got some history with electric buses, uh, they're succeeding, but they're learning as they go along. And uh, uh, I would say that uh, they've been successful pilots so far. Excellent. So you talked about you know challenges, and obviously there's a lot of challenges that school districts are you know a little weary of, especially if you live in a rural district where you got a lot of hills, and especially in the winter time, you know how are these buses going to fare? So you know what are some of those other concerns? that you've been hearing on your end about switching to an all-electric fleet? Sure. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is the cost. How are we gonna pay for this? Uh, you know, the, the NYSERDA is working on a roadmap and a guidebook to provide to uh, bus operators, and they're gonna give us some estimates on total costs in terms of uh, what it will take to make this transition. But uh, we've done a couple, couple studies and we've talked to uh, a couple uh, business officials who've done some some studies, and uh, on a local basis, uh, it's estimated that this is going to cost the local taxpayers about three times what it costs them to purchase their diesel buses or their gas buses, three times more, uh, and that's concerning because uh, you know as as pupil transportation professionals, and that's what we are, we understand that kids belong on a school bus. That's the safest way for them to get back and forth to school. And our concern is because of those costs that school districts uh, may need to make decisions. Can I afford to buy these buses uh, or, or do, I, do I hire a teacher that I need? And we, we don't want to see anything happen going forward that's going to uh, 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 hurt the school transportation industry because it's very important. So the cost is a big piece that has to be worked out. You know, essentially there's that we need more money to pay for this. Uh, certainly the infrastructure is a big concern. Uh, there's concern out there about not only the cost of the infrastructure as we've talked about previously, but uh, is there enough power in the state power grid to, to power 50, 55,000 school buses? And that's essentially what, what you know, the, the task is, uh, you know, to, to be able to provide power for, for all the school buses across the state. Uh, are, are materials and labor available to, to build that infrastructure? Uh, you know, we've had situations or, or, or uh, uh, instances where, where folks have told us that uh, we, we can't get electricians in to, uh, to get our infrastructure up, up to par, up to speed. So that's certainly a piece of it too. Uh, range of batteries. Uh, Battery technology is uh, improving. 
but it's not uh, at a point yet we feel where we can reliably put uh, school buses out in every locality. Uh, you spoke about uh, you know colder climates, uh, you know uh, smaller school districts uh, in hilly areas where you know battery range may be an, an issue. Uh, I recently spoke to some uh, uh, folks from the uh, uh, Adirondack region, and, and they actually allow their bus drivers to take the buses home because it's so uh, great a distance between the school terminals uh, and the home of the drivers that they do that is to attract drivers. So we certainly don't want to create a situation where you know drivers are no longer available because we're we're bringing all our buses to a uh, central site to charge. So th those are those are challenges uh, in those rural districts. In the urban areas, uh, there's space issues. Uh, if you've ever been down to Long Island or you know, New York City area, you'll notice that there's bus parking lots with literally hundreds of buses parked nose to tail uh, because of lack of space. So that also has to be resolved and, and, and figured out because uh, Putting charging stations on a bus lot takes a lot of space to build that infrastructure. So uh, that's also a concern. So there's a lot of challenges here that you know we have to overcome. Uh, it's gonna take money, it's gonna take expertise, and uh, it's gonna take some time. So I do know, you know, especially where we're located, some of the local districts, they've begun to dabble in the electric bus field. They purchased maybe one or two of them. Is that something that you would advise school districts to, to maybe do now? Yeah, I'm, yes, I'm hearing that across uh, the state and, in, in, you know, almost all areas. At, at least, you know, dip your toe in the water, buy one or two. Uh, learn, learn how to do this. Learn how to uh, uh, run an electric bus and, you know, uh, uh, start there. Start small and start on the shorter bus routes so that uh, you, can, you can be successful. And I, I think that's very important to do so that uh, as we ramp this up uh, towards 2035, uh, schools have, have learned attain that knowledge necessary to run a safe uh, and, and reliable fleet. And I think that's what's happening in, in, in the school districts, the three or four school districts that I mentioned across the state. They've started out small, they've gotten some grant money, uh, and, and they're learning. So that's a, a reasonable approach. Excellent. So I, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you the question, because I have a feeling there are folks out there who say, you know, 2035, going all electric, it's pie in the sky, it's not going to happen. What is your thought on that? Do you feel that that's a reasonable date? Do you feel like, yes, we're forging ahead and, and we need to meet this, uh, this timeline? Well, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I think 2035 is, uh, is not a reasonable date, certain, to be honest with you. There's a lot that has to be done here. Uh, and uh, I, know, I know it seems like it's many years down the road, uh, but I think that uh, as we get involved in this and we continue to find issues that need to be resolved, it's going to take time to resolve them. Uh, you, you know, the 2027 deadline does have a, a, an option to be delayed for two years by legislation if schools aren't ready, and that's the deadline that's, that, that basically says you can't buy a fossil fuel bus after this, this date, 2027. So uh, 
that gives us a little bit of wiggle room to allow school districts to, to reasonably make this transition. Uh, but uh, then 2035 is right around the corner. And 2035 essentially says all operations will be zero emission buses. And I, I'm just not seeing that because uh, uh, you've got some uh, uh, issues with supply chains right now that have slowed things down. Electric buses are being supplied to school districts all across the country, not just New York. So if New York is, you know, roughly looking at four, four to five thousand buses a year in terms of the transition, you've got all the other states in the, in the country also trying to transition their buses. So I, I think there's going to be some material shortages, some, uh, some uh, uh, ramping up that needs to be done to make this successful. And, and those are great points. And, you know, I think what I'm hearing you say also is that even though it may not be a necessarily realistic timeline, it may get pushed out. This will happen at some point and that school districts should not wait to the last minute. And yeah. there are proactive things, obviously, that they should be doing now. Sure. And this sort of, you know, you know, what are some of the key takeaways that you feel are really pertinent that board members either, you know, they really need to know and, and things that, you know, they should be doing now? I think right now you do your infrastructure studies, get a hold of your contact, your utilities and your bus dealer and get them uh, to your, your site and do the infrastructure study. Contact NYSERDA and see if you can get some of that, that money that's available to do the studies through the, uh, uh, the two programs I mentioned previously, and at least get that done. Then you know where you stand in terms of the, the infrastructure, and you also uh, inform or your utility what you need in terms of power, both short-term and long-term. And that gives them the opportunity to, uh, you know, position themselves to supply that power, because that's obviously the biggest piece of this is, is the, the supply of power. Uh, so start the infrastructure process now. Uh, involve get a team, get your team together, get your team of bus dealers, uh, utility people, NYSERDA, uh, your district team, so, someone to take a lead on that at the school district. Uh, be your be your transportation director, your business official, your facilities director uh, to to uh, direct this to go forward because. It's a long-term project as well, and, and it needs uh, uh, solid leadership and learn a lot. You know, uh, we've done panels across the state with, with uh, key stakeholders on those panels just to talk about this like we're doing right now. And every time uh, I've been involved in that, I've learned something new. So uh, in, in involve your, your, your key point person in your district in, in uh, association workshops, uh, utility workshops, online webinars that are conducted by uh, EPA and NYSERDA and others, and uh, uh, start to learn this because it's a, th this is a fundamental change in the school transportation industry. Um, school buses have always been fossil fuel driven, and now we're changing that to a, a whole new uh, type of uh, power. So it's, it's going to take some learning and the way you do that is to keep an open mind and uh, you know engage yourself in it. Now understand NYSERDA again is going to be producing the roadmap and, and that will help us uh, with, provide information on uh, uh, implementation uh, that should be uh, available. I believe they told me in the first part of June 
and, and they'll also provide a guidebook, which it will have information on training and incentive programs and purchasing, uh, charger purchasing, that type kinds of kind of information to, to help folks uh, understand this and, and move it forward. So uh, uh, there's resources out there, and you just need to uh, engage yourself in the process and start uh, learning about what this transition means to you and your local district. You know, I think that is excellent advice. You know, start exploring it now, find out those resources, do those studies, and then build a roadmap. You know, how are we going to get sure. this done in the, in the time that's allotted? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would like to thank my guest today, David Christopher, Executive Director for the New York Association for Pupil Transportation. Thank you so much for being here today, Dave. Thank you, Jamie. Have a great day. You too. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, Check out today's show notes for additional resources. And if you enjoyed today's conversation or find yourself tuning in each month, head over to NISBA's Facebook or Twitter and show us your support by giving us a like. Have a topic idea? Email us at gavel at nisba.org. And this meeting is now adjourned. I would also like to thank my NISBA colleagues working behind the scenes to make it possible to bring you this podcast. Thank you, Megan DeGenero, Al Marlin, and Alyssa Maiello. My name is Jamie McPherson, Deputy Director of Leadership Development at the New York State School Boards Association, and this has been a production of NISBA's President's Gavel. <laughs>